This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're listening on, whether it's YouTube, iHeart, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple. We're on it all. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panel tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Ball State athlete Paul Havocott, and we got our own Legacy Battle wrestling specialist, Phil Pusateri here. You remember him from our prior wrestling shows. You can check those out in the archives. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by Gabrielle Lorenz. She's a professional TV and digital host. She's worked with NBC Universal, E Entertainment, Style Network in wrestling. She's been a backstage reporter. She's worked for Impact Wrestling as well as Wild, which is the women of wrestling, in case you're not super familiar with wrestling. And you check out her website, GabrielleLorenz.com. You can check out, she's got several podcasts on there, and I know we're going to ask a few of those later on in our Q&A for her, um, but YouTube videos on there as well, uh, and she's just, she does a lot of things here. So, Gabrielle, thank you for joining us tonight. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, tonight's debate is going to be the women's Mount Rushmore wrestling, and uh, if you want to see the men's Mount Rushmore, go in our archives, check it out. I think it's episode five. I know this is like 125 today, but go way back in the archives, you'll find it. And uh, afterwards, as always, we'll have our Q&A for our special guest tonight. So let's start out with uh, Mae Young. All right, Mae Young. She was uh, she was only five foot three. Uh, one of the pioneers of wrestling. Uh, she was very active in the 1940s, 1950s. She actually competed in seven decades. So just very impressive, clear across the history of, uh, of wrestling. Uh, she did a post-World uh, War II tour in Japan. Uh, one of the first uh, female entertainers to do that. Uh, Ed Strangler uh, Lewis uh, said after watching May perform for the first time, I don't like girl wrestlers. Women should be in the kitchen. But after seeing you, you were born to be a wrestler. A uh, very important role, uh, taking the place of men, you know, fighting in, in uh, World War II. Uh, she even uh, cast roles well into her, uh, into her golden years. Like I said, she appeared all the way until uh, 2013. And then she died in 2014. Uh, in 2008, she was named to the WWE Hall of Fame. So that's uh, Mae Young. So, Gabrielle, before I come to you, I, I, I want to throw this out here, too. I, I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show, when you hear tonight's wrestlers, everybody who's watching this, we didn't put in the fabulous moolah. And the reasoning for that is there's just too much in her history that even kind of the wrestling world has shied away from her. We acknowledge her greatness in the ring, but we just couldn't have her a part of this debate because of the out of wrestling things that have occurred in the last 30 years. So when you run brothels, you can't make our list anymore. Okay. You can't, you can't pimp out your women wrestlers. That's all I'm saying. Let's now let's move on from that. So <laughs> Mae Young, the originator, this lady gave birth to a hand on television. That was some of the funniest stuff in the attitude era. So Gabrielle, she is the the OG, the the original gangster here. What has she? What did she mean for women's wrestling? Well, the crazy thing is, you have people that came after her, like Lita and Trish, who kind of paved the way for what we then saw um, in recent years as the evolution with WWE. But you know, the real originators were people like Mae Young, um, and so you know, she was a trailblazer. The fact that her legacy has lived on today to eventually have WWE include their own Mae Young Classic to discover new talent. Um, it, it's really, you know, it's 
crazy to see the level of people that get involved in the Mae Young Classic and to see where their careers have been and are going um, because of someone like Mae Young who came before. So um, it's wild that we're in like 2023 and her name is still someone who is a trailblazer for women. Of course, the Mae Young Classic is done every year. I think they're still doing that, the, the wrestling tournament for women, which is just a fantastic thing. Phil, I got to ask you, being our wrestling specialist, uh, what were your thoughts on Mae Young taking the powerbomb through the table at 80-some years old from Bubba Ray Dudley? <laughs> Insanity. Insanity is, is the first thing. But, you know, the fact that, that a woman that age could do that and, and take that kind of bump, I mean, I mean, that's just a testament to, to her. Yeah, and, and I'll always remember her for the storyline of her dating Mark Henry and giving birth to the hand. That was just oh sexual God. chocolate. Sexual <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> sexual chocolate, exactly. Let's move on to our next uh, wrestler tonight. And uh, uh, let's st stick with you, Phil. How about Trish Stratus? Trish. I mean, you know, you, you said it earlier. Trish is everybody's dream girl, right? I mean, had the looks, okay? Came in, you know, starting out as a manager, learning the business, learning you know how to you know to become a wrestler and, and to work her way <laughs> uh, there she is stratus and lead us yeah. on the other side we'll get to her in a little bit <laughs> stratisfaction right stratisfaction so i mean you know like you said you know going from may young and, and you know even the wendy richters coming into you know this it, it was more about the looks and and stuff like that like there wasn't a lot of you know women wrestling and she you know her and Lita you know really trailblazing like you said and I mean you know she was you know five time I just had it right here yeah she was she was a hardcore women's hardcore champion once seven time women's champion hall of fame you know class of 2013 diva the decade Babe of the Year from 21, 2001 to 2003. Of course ranked she number, was. Yeah. <laughs> ranked number one of the top 50 greatest female, WWE female wrestlers of all time. So, I mean, to go from, you know, more for the looks and, and, and stuff like that and learn the business like she did and put in the work. I mean, you know, I, I really believe she she is definitely one of the best. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, to speak on Phil's point, she had a lot to prove when she came in as a wrestler from a fitness background. Now, of course, having fitness background, especially today, is like it kind of goes hand in hand. A lot of these wrestlers are huge into the fitness and IFBB pro world. Um, you'll see a lot of that. But to come from that background, to look more of like a model coming in, you have a lot to prove behind the scenes and mm -hmm. when you're in ring. And so I think she did a really great job of breaking down barriers and then becoming a household name and something that was going to last through the times. The fact that she is still able to get in a ring today and she looks better at 47 years old today, you know, than even in my opinion, what she did like 20, 30 years ago. I don't know about you guys, but I think she looks good for her age. She's like the JLo of wrestling. She never gets old. <laughs> right. Is she really right. that old? 47? Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, oh in fact, goodness. That is Michael, the sexiest 47-year-old I've ever seen. <laughs> Holy man. Michael, my daughter will not let me live it down if I don't mention that she does share a birthday with Trish. So, 
<laughs> no way. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so it better be your favorite wrestler then. Well, one of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of. She, she, she's a huge Alexa Bliss fan, but you know. Okay, anyways. so am I. Yeah. Alexa Bliss is awesome. Can't hate. We'll be talking about her next time. There you go. <laughs> and that, that was one of the prerequisites was they, they had to be retired to make our list tonight. So, okay. but uh, Gabrielle, what, what, do you, what do you think of her mic skills? Because I know she started out as a valet, um, you know, and mm -hmm. she was doing some talking. And I, I think she's up there tops, tops all time on, on the women with the mic. Oh, yeah. Well, when she gets up on a mic and she's in ring, she is confident. Like, she knows what she's doing. She knows how to present and get across a point. Um, and even in her more recent things that she did, even up to, like, last year that we were seeing, you know, her in the ring, um, I think it was leading up to Elimination Chamber, if I'm right. Um, I believe it was that. So, I mean, she is just super strong. And... Uh, powerful personality, powerhouse. So I would say that she is probably one of the best on the mic when it comes to um, her promos and everything. You can get a wrestler up there, but if you can't do promos, if you can't cut a promo, you're going to fail really quick. Like you have to entertain the crowd. The one thing that I love about wrestling is the fact that it incorporates not only a soap opera storyline, but it is you know, these talented individuals that are insane at their communication skills and presentation skills, and then their athletic skills, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is a combination of everything. They are triple, quadruple threats, and that's what makes them who they are and memorable. So while we're on mics, let's go to, who, in my opinion, the greatest mic woman of all time. And that's going to be, it could be sensational Sherry, it could be scary Sherry. Let's talk <laughs> Sherry. Okay, sensational Sherry, born 2858, uh, a.k.a. Sherry Martell, no longer with us, unfortunately, passing in uh, June of 07. But Sherry started her career in the mid-'80s, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, joining the American Wrestling Association and held its AWA World Championship uh, three times, three-time champ. She's known for outrageous costumes, but a great deal of effort in her persona. And during the late-'80s, she was known for her feud with Hulk Hogan and Miss Elizabeth by teaming up with uh, Macho Man Randy Sa uh, Savage. She had some epic tandem battles with that duo in the 90 cage match in Madison Square Gardens. The Ultimate Warrior, listen to this uh, spicy, spicy stuff for the 90s. The Ultimate Warrior caught her as she was escaping and pulled off her miniskirt, and she had some black uh, garter belts and lace underpants. Ooh, my goodness. So she's a 2006 inductee in the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, I have her as number one because of her efforts to influence uh, both women's and men's wrestling, in my opinion. And then in the late 80s, she's in the World Wrestling Federation, uh, winning the women's championship there as well. Notable as Sherry was her ability to make herself available to manage. She has ties to Randy Savage, Million Dollar Man, uh, Ted Diabasi, and Shawn Michaels. She has appearances later on in both Extreme Championship Wrestling and World Championship Wrestling in the 90s, uses her managing talent to take on a tag team called the Harlem Heat, managing them uh, to 7 out of 10 championships. Um, like with my other wrestler tonight, Sherry had some controversy with the Moolah. Um, I think Moolah was taking some money from a lot of the wrestlers. So she kind of suffers an injury later on in her career. But uh, she gets her revenge on Moolah beating her for the WWF Championship in 87. She has three of those total. And that's sort of a, a recap of uh, what, what's going on with Sensational Sherry. 
Gabrielle, uh, I think Sherry's probably the greatest heel of all time when it comes to women. But what is the importance of the microphone for a heel? It's a great question. I don't know if you can be a heel if you don't know how to be on a microphone. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, like you have to have that edge. You have to have that combative personality. You have to have that confidence when you're on the mic. You can be a baby face and maybe not say much, but if you're going to be a heel, then you got to be a badass. So I think it's really important to have those mic skills. And the mic skills are also going to help you get further in the game. Look at people today and why they are where they are. It's not just because of the wrestling talent. It's because of the overall well-roundedness and the versatility that they can do and manage. So at our Mount Rushmore shows, we talk we talk eight wrestlers. And the wrestler that uh, we're about to put on here, was this was actually picked by some of our fans back in the day, and it comes down to her and Nikki Bella. So it's actually Ivory. Um, so Ivory is a Hall of Famer, of course, but she is the only woman tonight who is part of GLOW, the, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. This, If you were up at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night back in the 80s, <laughs> Glow, GLOW was probably on television. Um, so she was the GLOW champion. Tag team champion. She's got six other title reigns in various wrestling organizations. And of course, she's a three time uh, women's champ in WWE. She's trained by Amanda Guerrero, who's the brother of the late great Eddie Guerrero. Um, 2009 was her first appearance in WWE, though. Um, she was a hoe for the Godfather. That was her first appearance. Two weeks later, though, they, they give her the name Ivory. She, she wins her first championship in six months. Uh, she fought in the first ever hardcore match at SummerSlam and won. Um, she's done a lot of great things. Her heel turn, which she became a member of Right to Censor, which was when uh, the TV censoring people were all over WWE to tone down their mm -hmm. their language and their violence and their 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 sex appeal. So they formed the group Right to Censor and kind of was a play off of that. Um, she beat Lita for the title. Slam Magazine called Lita vs. Ivory uh, an illustration to what heights women's wrestling is capable of if the right talent can strut their stuff in a ring. And uh, that's a big part of the women's revolution we've seen in the last few years. Um, she feuded with China. She beat her at the Royal Rumble. Um, and then she was a trainer for the show Tough Enough and OVW, which is where they do all the wrestling training. And then in 2018, she came back for the first ever uh, all-women's pay-per-view uh, fought in that uh, battle royale. She lasted longer than than any legend. So it was really cool to see her come back. Um, so, Gabrielle, I, I come to you with Ivory. She's not like the household name that, that everyone else is here tonight, um, but quite famous. Um, I, I want to go to this right to censor thing with her when I, in my, in my question. Wrestling in, in the Attitude Era, the late 2000s or early 2000s was way over the top. Bra and panty matches, things like that. How far has women's wrestling come <laughs> since those days, wrestling in, in the mud and all that stuff? Oh my goodness, that is a great question. So coming out of the Attitude Era into the new millennium, um, I mean, yeah, we saw a bunch of R-rated things that probably your children shouldn't be watching on television, but 
we all know that we were kids at that age. So <laughs> um, it was like MTV Uncensored, but like 20 times worse. Um, I think, you know, it's changed in big ways. Like women have more self-respect uh, when they're presented as characters and they're given more opportunities today. It's not just a pretty face. It's not just about the body. Like you see all shapes and sizes in wrestling today, whether it's WWE or the independents, which is really amazing and it's it's very inclusive today um and we celebrate women which is totally different where we were lucky to see okay i think it was lita and trish had like the first main event on raw for women right and so right. like that's like not at all a factor today you know we have women that are main eventing all the time at different events so that just shows you know how far we've come in such a small amount of time and to be honest, like no offense to the men, I think like the women's matches are some of the best to watch. And I absolutely love it when women are in the ring with a man one-on-one -on -one competing and there's like a ladder involved or, you know, other, you know, weapons of destruction, I guess. That is super fun to me. So I am so happy we are where we are today and we've seen the changes we've seen because I think it proves, you know, with ticket sales and the level of interest, like it works. And women are interesting, so go women. Absolutely, and and you mentioned like all all sizes now. I don't think a woman like Awesome Kong would have been given an opportunity twenty five years ago. So no. you know, it's fantastic to see the way things have come. But let's move on to uh, well, a girl we've mentioned a few times tonight, Lita. All right, Lita, uh, five foot six, uh, uh, one thirty five. In the late nineties, uh, she wrestled in Mexico. Uh, after being inspired by the great uh, Rey Mysterio. Uh, and she was briefly in the ECW. Uh, 1999, she made her WWE debut. Uh, she was popular for joining with uh, with the Hardys and uh, with Team Extreme. Um, she was the first woman to get involved in a tables, uh, ladders, chairs match. So that was uh, that was something there. Uh, and she had some really great rivalries. She had a, she had a great rivalry with uh, Trish Stratus. Um you know, she, uh, her and The Rock defeated Trish and Triple H on Raw. Uh, she once broke Trish's nose. Uh, so that was something. Uh, and then she had a great rivalry with uh, Stephanie McMahon. Uh, she defeated her to win the first of, of four uh, women's world title belts. Um, and then, then the, the rivalry, the divorce rivalry with, uh, with Kane. Uh, she exposed all the dirt about their marriage and everything. Um, you know, she battled back from injury. She had a, a neck injury in 2002, torn ECL in 2004. Um, and she was a great technical wrestler. Uh, she had the Lita Bomb, a very good uh, uh, snap EDT, uh, the Twist of Fate, and then, of course, uh, the, the risky but devastating Moonsault, uh, which she used to uh, defeat Stephanie. Um, she ended up retiring, in, uh, you know, a little bit later when, you know, she kind of had an invasion of privacy from the fans. That kind of got a little ugly, but uh, she did, uh, she was inducted in the, hall, in the uh, WWE Hall of Fame in 2014. So that's Lita. Gabrielle, Lita came out the, at the perfect time for her style. How did her style of clothing define her? I know you've worked for the Style Network. Lita was not dressed like the other people. Yeah, she wasn't dressed like anybody else. So Lita came out with more of like a hard rock, like badass sort of look. It was the opposite of cookie cutter, girl next door, um, which made her more unique. And we see more of that today. Again, like the women's evolution, we've seen more of that come down the, the pipeline. Um, she didn't have that typical blonde bombshell look. 
And what I love about Lita, like aside from her style and her trailblazing for women that don't necessarily like have the boobs out and are looking like supermodels, um, she really believes in um, opportunity and seizing opportunity. Even to today, she's been asked to come back, you know, to WWE for appearances and other uh, wrestling promotions. And I know she had told a story um, about uh, something with, I think it was Becky Lynch and an elimination challenge match in 2022 about how she was asked to do it so last minute. But she's like, you know, I would have loved the chance to prepare more. But when someone asks you to get in the ring with Becky Lynch, like you do it, you seize opportunity when it presents itself. And so I totally respect the way that she works. I think a lot of people respected her moves in the ring. Uh, she was known for a lot of her Lucha type moves, likes of Lucha. And um, that's also my favorite type of wrestling too. And yeah, I just think she's one of the uh, bigger powerhouses. And what's really cool about her is she also incorporates her social activism into what she's doing. In more recent matches, she, you know, displays that. Like, she's very much so, like, against gun violence and for trans rights and um, immigration rights and things like that. So, anyways, I'm a full-on supporter of Lita. I think she is an amazing woman, both in the ring and out of the ring. And in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, she wore the names of all the, the women's wrestlers of the past that, you know, weren't able to be represented in that because they had passed away or whatever on her arm. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment there. So, yeah, uh, Phil, let's go. Let's go back to you and uh, let's go to Joni Lauer, a.k.a. China. The ninth wonder of the world, as she was so put it, <laughs> you know, five foot, ten inches tall. You know, le left us a little lot too soon. It, it, you know, 2016 at the age of 46. I mean, trained by Killer Kowalski. You know, here, here's here's a woman that was trained by one of one of you know the great wrestlers from back in the 60s, 70s. Okay, to get that kind of background and knowledge, he got her signed to WWE or WWF at the time. You know, he told them that WCW was interested in her. Vince, of course, jumped right ahead because, you know, Vince ain't going to let nobody get get by him. So, you know, the best thing about, you know, China, first ever woman's intercontinental champion. And she held that three times, you know. So to come in as a woman, okay, who could kick most of the guys' butts, and turn around like that and, and you know, be a three-time Intercontinental Champion. Held the Women's Championship for a very short period of time from what I've gathered. But, I mean, just, you know, to have that kind of impact. You know, Triple H's bodyguard. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, to come in, you know, Eddie, Eddie Guerrero's girlfriend, Mamacita. <laughs> you know, That's I mean, right. she, she might not have had that great mic work like a sherry martell or whatever but she still she knew her place she knew her role and was able to play her role well you know and, and yes she did get in the in the hall of fame you know after she passed yes i know there was controversy with her as well because of choices that she had made after she left the business but i don't see how you can have a mount rushmore without China is one of the four on there. And, and just to clarify, she's in as a member of DX. She has DX, been yes. put in herself. So, yes, as, as a member of DX. 
Uh, Gabrielle, you said you like it when they wrestle the men. China yep. was really, really the first one to get in there and do it almost as a full-time gig. Uh, yeah. Great, great, great feuding with Jericho there for a while too. So mm -hmm. uh, what, what are your thoughts on Joni? Obviously, as, as Phil said, taken way too early. She is sadly one of those wrestling stories uh, of people that, uh, you know, that their demons catch up with them. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Joni? Yeah, true. Um, so it's kind of crazy. When I was younger, my dad took me to a Monday Night Raw with my brother. Um, I was really young and I was like, what is this? But I was like really into like Hulk Hogan and China. That was like my intro to wrestling. I didn't really get like full-fledged into it until later years. Like I was probably at this point, it might be like six to eight years ago. Um, so I'm I'm fairly new to watching other than that one experience. But to me, like China left the impact, you know, when I, I would watch wrestling. Um, she is one that I remember from my childhood, even though it wasn't something I did on like a weekly basis then. Um, and she was somebody who could definitely get in the ring and beat up men. And I think that was initially Vince McMahon's concern. Like why would the audience like this person? Why are they going to want to see a woman beat up men in the ring? Um, but it wound up being one of the best decisions he could have made because she was so prominent and such a big figure at the time that she was uh, leaving a legacy in WWF. And she was, you know, there at the same time as Triple H, Kurt Angle, uh, Chris Jericho, Jeff Jarrett, a lot of really big people. Um, and so I think they consider her to have like a lasting legacy as one of the most dominant female competitors of all time. And it makes sense. Like this woman came from like the ROTC background in Peace Corps. So she definitely isn't a you know, pushover. She, I think she lived out her character in real life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's someone that definitely stands out to me and was one of my first experiences with watching women wrestling. Let, let me, let me ask you this, Gabrielle. Because China, and, and there'll be clips or, or pictures of her during this, of course, so people get to see if they don't know her or what she looks like. Do you feel that she had sex appeal? Because I, I know that there's a lot of people who are like, oh, she's just there for her muscles. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think they, I think 50% of it was sex appeal. Because it's not like she didn't look hot in the ring, you know, uh, but she definitely had a different energy about her that was more dominant, right? Rather than submissive. Um, and so I think it is kind of like a 50-50 situation here. But at the end of the day, like she wasn't hard on the eyes either. You're like, not nah, get her out of the ring. Like I can't watch this chick. <laughs> it wasn't like that either. You know, there's somebody for everybody out there. <laughs> I don't know right. if it would have been end, my at, cup of tea, but. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, there's guys who are into everything. So yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It, it works. <laughs> All right, let, let's go. Let's go back to the '80s here, uh, Wendy Richter. Yeah, I'm the '80s tonight here. Wendy Richter grew up in Dallas. Uh, before she entered the sport of wrestling, she worked at her family's ranch, uh, took part in rodeo competitions. In high school, she actually participated in volleyball, track, and cross country. Uh, went on to be a computer programming major. Um, lives just north of me in Crystal River, or at least at one point did. Wendy Richter was trained at the uh, fabulous Moolah's Lillian Ellison School of Professional Wrestling, made her professional debut in 1979, uh, paired up with Joyce Grable, has two championships for the NWA Women's World Tag Team uh, Championship, one-time uh, AWA Women's Championship, uh, one-time NWA United States Women's Championship, 
she won the WWC Women's Championship four times, two-time WWF Women's Championship. Um, she's in the WWE Hall of Fame, class of 2010. She's in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2012, class of 2012. With Wendy, uh, one of the biggest things I found in researching her, like with my other wrestler, she had some uh, controversy with the Fabulous Moolah as well. And there's a documentary that kind of goes into this called The Dark Side of the Ring, where um, in 1985, she was she had lost her title and regained the title uh, from rival Liliana Kai. And uh, she was defending her title at Madison Square Garden. And there was this mysterious wrestler there in a spider mask. And it ended up being uh, the Fabulous Moolah. And there was some controversy because in the uh, count she kicked out of it but they they called her down so it later on learned that Vince McMahon kind of plotted against her to take that uh, title from her so seems like everybody I'm repping tonight is old and in the 80s and has a beef with uh, Fabulous Moolah but that's Wendy Richter. So Gabrielle he brings up let, let's call it a let's call it a screw job uh, everyone knows the Montreal screw job, of course, with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. But how often is it written into wrestling, you know, somebody getting screwed over or or sometimes maybe is it actually legit happening and the fans just don't know about it? Like you, you've worked in the you've worked in the backstage area. How how much of this stuff is scripted and how much just comes out? Hmm. Two different questions here. Yeah. Um, how much is scripted? Well, that's kayfabe. I don't know if right. I, what I should be yes. saying. Yes, kayfabe, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I will, what I will say about all this is that real things do go down in ring and people do and can get hurt. Um, what these wrestlers are doing is they're putting their life on the line. We've seen a lot of different things happen in matches and, and on camera, um, and in live settings. So I would say like, we'll stick with that side of the story that like there, you know, is passion behind it. There is reality behind it. Um, and yeah, I mean, not everything's pleasant, right? Like there's definitely real feuds behind the scenes. <laughs> um, and then so your first question, do you want to go back to that? I think it was a little bit different, but well, let me ask you this, because you mentioned kayfabe. So if a wrestler breaks kayfabe, are they being punished in the back? Yeah, I'm sure. 100%. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's <laughs> not good. Okay. And, and honestly, it depends I, what you mean by punished, you know? <laughs> well, I know there's there's things in the past called like wrestling court, but then there's also like the actual corporation's suspensions and things along those lines. Yeah. I so, mean, at the end of the day, like you're working on a product and with a product and you're representing a company. So, I mean, you do have to watch what you say and how you say it and you don't want to like bite the hand that feeds you either. So right. hopefully that makes sense. It does. It does. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to our final wrestler here tonight. And that's going to be Medusa, AKA Alondra Blaze. Um, so she also lived up uh, in Crystal River, not too far from you, Paul, for a little while. Uh, I don't think she's living up there anymore, but um, she is the first woman awarded Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year, which is a nice accomplishment for her. Um, she's a two-time Japan champion. She's got two other championships and territory leagues. 
WCW cruiserweight champion, um, which so she was wrestling against uh, males over there in WCW. First female to ever win that title, of course. Three-time WWF, and this was when it was WWF, women's champion. And she won the 1993 Women's Tournament. Um, she goes into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Um, now, so she should have been in the Hall of Fame a lot sooner. And this is what I'm going to touch on tonight as to why she wasn't in the Hall of Fame. She was, in my opinion, and, and I'm sure Phil would back me up on this one too, blackballed for, for quite a while for an event that took place in, uh, I think it was 95. Yes, 1995. She leaves WWE as the champion, which at the time was still WWF, but she leaves WWE mm -hmm. as the champion. She gets signed by Eric Bischoff over at WCW. She goes live on air on WCW television, yep. holding up the WWE Women's Title Championship belt and drops it in the garbage. This is one of the most shocking moments in wrestling history and in my opinion in women's wrestling history it's it's the tops it's it's the most shocking moment so gabrielle that that is my question for you what could something like that do to an organization to a company to have their belt dropped in the garbage like showing how meaningless it is i mean it's disrespect right at the end of the day it's disrespect you hope that whatever mistake you made gets washed eventually and you can come back together and make amends. It doesn't always happen for everybody. Um, you never want to really walk out with bad blood, but in wrestling, it's hard because you deal with a lot of big personalities and people that have opinions, you know, they're good at what they do for a reason. So um, we've seen a lot more people be outspoken in recent years, um, whether they were mistreated or whatever the case may be, or have come out years later to speak on something. But um, a lot of times people just suck it up and we don't hear about 90% of the things that go on backstage. So I think this is probably just a statement to be like, all right, I am leaving. See ya. And um, probably says more with her actions than her words. So before we go into our vote, just a couple shout outs to people that will probably be on the list 10 years from now because they're <laughs> not retired yet. Charlotte Flair, Maybe Alexa Bliss. She has slowed down here recently. Uh, Mickey James, I believe, has a shot at it. And uh, she never made it to WWE, but Tessa Blanchard had a heck of a career out there. So, it's, yeah. it, you know, she, she, she deserves some praise. So let's move into our vote tonight, boys. You each pick one, cannot pick your own. Once we've picked our Mount Rushmore, then Gabrielle gets to pick her Rushmore. So you'll get to pick four there. Paul, who are you taking? Um, I'll go ahead and do China. I'll pick China. Brian? Oh, well, you got to have Trish on this list. I mean, the impact that she had. Bill? I'm going to go Lita. I think Lita, you know, being the trailblazer that she was, you know, deserves to be, you know, in that. Okay. And and I got to go Mae Young because you, you got to have the originator here. Yeah. All right, so Gabrielle, we got our four. What would be your four? Mm. And I, I can name four, yeah. Any of the four, yep. Okay, so or Trish. Any, any of the eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any of the So Trish, Lita, China, and Mae Young. 
Wow. Wow. That is the yeah. first Mount Rushmore show we've had where the guests actually 100% agreed with our Mount Rushmore. How about that, guys? <laughs> yeah, we, we, nice. we did something right tonight. All right. Nice job. Yeah, I, mean, I guess so, right? We're all like wow. great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Gosh, I think, Brian, the last one maybe we did was Jeff Facero, the pitcher for the Expos, and he pitched, he picked the exact four <laughs> of us. Right. So yeah. It's been a awesome. while. Awesome. Nice job. Let's move into our Q&A here. We're going we're gonna to discuss Gabrielle. She has a fast career and a lot of things, uh, and I'm sure we'll have some some wrestling-related questions as well, too. Um, let's see. Who got two on the list tonight? China and Trish, that was you, Phil. So you got you got first question. I got first question. Okay, Gabrielle. Now, you, you said, you know, you went once when you were a kid, and, you know, you kind of got into this a little bit later. Have you done any kind of formal wrestling training? You just... Everybody asks me that. That is so funny. <laughs> I feel like everyone's dream is to see me probably get in the ring. <laughs> I have no formal wrestling training Nothing. at all. Nothing. Okay. Zero. Mm-mm. I have formal hosting training. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's how and, I and doing that. You've shown that over and over again. But yeah. The, the funny thing is uh, how I first got into wrestling reporting backstage is I went to an audition for Women of Wrestling for wrestlers. And I gave David McLean and Selena Majors my reel for hosting. And I was like, if you guys ever need a backstage reporter, like, call me. <laughs> but I went for the wrestling audition, so I had to just go and pretend. Luckily, you know, it wasn't a situation where I had to do anything physical, but it was more like doing promos and what character would you be? A lot of questions. Um, so I went to this audition for wrestlers instead. (laughs) So we'll we'll go me, Brian, Paul here. So I want to ask you an opinionated question here, uh, at least for my first question. We'll we'll be doing two each night here. But so we saw Mandy Rose recently get released uh, due to photos on her own personal website. Let's say that. Um, Does the wrestling world have a double standard? Because it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't nudity photos, and I see that we see all see the photos that these wrestling companies put out. Um, you know, many times they sell sex. Let's put it like that. They're they're selling sex appeal to get to get viewers. Um, but then then this happens. So mm-hmm. so it, it, is there a double standard in your opinion? That's a great question. I mean, especially with Mandy Rose, I feel like they were definitely selling sex with her, um, and a lot of her storylines. Yeah. Uh, it was very evident. However, I think it goes beyond the headline. I think we we see what we, we see in the news, right? But beyond that, what is really going on? Most likely, it probably has to do with the fact that WWE is maybe protecting their brand. Maybe there's business arrangements or things that she's doing that they're not okay with, and it comes down to money and financials. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to say it's partly that and maybe branding and maybe what she's associated with and who she's associated with. Um, but yeah, like complete double standard. Hello. I mean, look at the history of WWE and look at recent times. It just, it's wild, right? And it doesn't make sense. How many of their women have they put into Playboy? Sable, Tori Wilson, uh, Maria, like the list just goes on and on. But yeah. It's just wild. I mean, maybe they'll bring her China. back, you know? They'll probably bring her back at some point and forget that it ever happened. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Gabrielle, obviously women's wrestling is something that's very close to your heart. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, you'd like to see it prosper and continue to grow. 
Uh, you, of course, have spoken with many women wrestlers backstage. Uh, what are some of the things that, that they get frustrated with, which they believe maybe holds women's wrestling back? And, and are there any sort of changes that you believe could be made to help it grow even quicker? You know, that's a really great question, too. I can speak on wrestling as a whole. I'm not exactly sure with women specifically, because I think in the years that I've been backstage, there's been a lot of progress with women. Um, we have, you know, women coaches, like when I was at impact, um, Gail, you know, Gail was definitely one of the, the leads on that Madison rain. So, um, I, I don't know when it comes to the women aspect, but when it comes to overall wrestling, I think there's a disparity with pay, um, and, mm. and respect, you know, for that, uh, a lot of, I mean, it's not even just indies, like it's big networks and corporations too like the lower rung wrestlers aren't getting paid anywhere near the higher tiered bigger names um and it's really like people think it's just like celebrities like oh my god that person's a wrestler and I, i'm you know i love them and i watch them on tv but really like we don't know like their that lifestyle is not necessarily aspirational you know, they are working hard, they're working crazy hours and they're traveling and they're not making a whole lot of money for it. And so there's, I think, a lack of respect when it comes to like um, lifestyle and um, yeah, just like the financial aspect of what these wrestlers really deserve for the talent they they have and hold. I'm going to give you a break on wrestling. Let's talk about Gab on the go. Do you have any <laughs> uh, trips coming up you want to tell us about and you want to speak a little bit on what Gab on the go is? Yeah, sure. Um, that's a great, great question too. So I created that um, as a part of my YouTube channel, just because I love traveling. I've been to over 15 countries at this point. Um, I lived in Spain for seven months for study abroad. And so I was like, let me capture some of these moments. And a few years back, I bought a GoPro. So I started documenting some of my travels and making these like short highlight reels. So I've done it for um, Spain and Portugal. I've for Thailand. So there's a few different ones. Um, travel upcoming, I'm not sure yet because I haven't planned it yet. I know it sounds so boring, but I could tell you where upcoming I'd like to visit. Um, I'd like to see Japan. I'd like to see Turkey um, and Greece at some point, but I want to hold that out for like something special maybe. So yeah, I have a few like upcoming ideas in mind on my bucket list, but um, no official plane tickets yet. My next trip will probably be to Florida just to visit family. Okay. <laughs> That's where we're at. So yeah. Well, yeah, we're all down in Florida. Look us up. So which part of Florida? Uh, Except for the area. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's where my family lives. How crazy. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, they're yeah. all in Tampa. I have two brothers and my mom is out there. So yeah. Excellent. Same order, guys. Last question. So pick pick your your best one left. Okay, uh, back to wrestling, I guess. Do you, I mean, do you see yourself going and working for a WWE or getting a job in a backstage announcing role sort of thing? Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, I would love to work for a WWE. I can't say that it hasn't been a thought or it hasn't been something I tried to do. Um, obviously, it's very competitive, and I don't know how that they how they do their pickings and everything um year many years ago when i was first getting into like backstage hosting this was before i even worked for women of wrestling i was just a 
uh, podcast host for After Buzz TV with Maria Menounos' network doing main event, covering WWE's main event. And um, I had a friend who I knew from the production side um, moved to WWE to work um, over there. And I believe he was in talent. And so he had told me, he's like, you know, submit your reel for wrestling and we'll see, like, they're looking for hosts right now. And so I like literally quickly sliced up whatever I could, <laughs> included some wrestling, you know, sound bites and, and B-roll from my After Buzz stuff and sent that off. That was also the year that they hired Kathy Kelly a few months later. So who's mm -hmm. also after Buzz. So um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, if they are trying to fill a certain niche of like brunette or at this point blonde or, you know, what the situation is or skill set and where they're from. Um, I'm sure that they have a science behind what they do and how they choose. It just hasn't happened yet for me on that side. Um, and then there was also a time where I ran into Stephanie McMahon at the Andre the Giant premiere and she had given me um, the director of communications card there. And so like I submitted my stuff to him too and they passed it along to talent, but it just hasn't been the right timing. Um, and mm -hmm. then since then, you know, throughout the years, Women of Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, um, PCW Ultra last year. So, I mean... WWE is not the end all be all, but it would be, of course, amazing because it's a huge platform with huge notoriety. Um, but I feel like I kind of won anyways, because I got to work with a lot of former WWE people. The second they get kicked out of WWE or leave, they wind up at Impact or AEW. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, and you get to work with like the best producers that came from there and, and started there. And so I feel like I still lived out a dream regardless um, of it being like WWE or not. And, you know, I hope to do more in that area. One of the reasons why I got into wrestling is because um, not only did I love, like I said earlier, like the action behind it, the athleticism and stunt work, but like the acting and, and all of it, all everything that it encompasses, but like the live events. I love live energy. So I don't know if you guys know this, but before I did wrestling, I was a host for Monster Jam and also Medusa is a Monster Jam truck driver. So <laughs> she was actually um, one of our talent, but I was a host for their West tour and I did the arena tours for them. And that was like the moment where I realized I love live hosting. I love seeing people in the audience. I love connecting with them and it's so different. So even though backstage reporters not always in the audience, um, it's still the energy of what's happening live in ring and um, meeting with the fans and having those moments. So that to me is why I enjoy it. And, you know, I hope to continue to do it because I know I'm really good at it and I've worked really hard for many years, like literally probably over 12 years of doing this. Um, and so it would be like an amazing dream to just continue to have these opportunities and work with people and and um, watch live wrestling shows and be a part of the action. Great, great. We'll actually go Brian, Paul, me. Go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah, you've had so many different roles and and you know, wrestling broadcasting and, and you know, all the different ones that Michael uh, mentioned at the outset, all the other projects that you're involved with. Um, which one do you feel was, was the most fulfilling for you? That's a great question. Just comparing wrestling? Yeah, or, or any of your projects. Hmm. Oh, that's so hard to say. Oh, they're equally amazing. Um, honestly, with wrestling, I felt like it just kept getting better. Like I started podcasting like you guys, and then I elevated to women of wrestling. You know, it was my first backstage hosting experience, getting to work with actual wrestlers. And then I elevated to impact. And 
it just, my experience kept getting better. The producers I kept working with were on the next level every single time. So it was always like a stepping stone. Um, but I loved each and every experience. And to this day, like David McLean and I have a great relationship from women of wrestling. Like he still texts me. Um, he sent me birthday gifts. He sent me like Tony Robbins books to like, give me some advice and kind of mentor and stuff. Um, I heard from Josh Matthews in the recent months, um, just checking in and yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible experience and I love the people I work with. So I wouldn't change it for a second. (laughs) And, and uh, ironically, Women of Wrestling is now number three. They have moved up. They've passed uh, Ring wild. of Honor and they've passed Impact. So, yeah. I mean, amen. They deserve it. They've put so much blood, sweat, and tears into that organization. And, like, I've seen it, you know, since before it was even picked up by Access, right? Um, they had one deal that, like, they had first, a hot second fell out, another deal that fell out. And, um, and they put so much hard work in and they believe in it. And I know Jeannie Buss believes in it. And so to finally see them have like CBS and Viacom back them and it to be ranked number three, like that's crazy. Plus they have some of the, like the best editors and graphic people uh, that I've seen. And I love that it is all women all the time. And I think that that's amazing. And that's, you know, a testament to their brand they've never swayed once they've stayed true to what they believe in and what they want for the the brand and the image and it's only gotten better over time they've only had more resources and better people behind them backing them and and they're an organization with dignity that really treat their people well um and i think that disparity is actually a little bit less when it comes to women of wrestling you know i think they actually care more about the people that are are over there i was looking at some of your other blogs and there's um breaking bread and some you had some looks like some anxiety uh tips and I was, I was starting to think about being a live host there's probably a lot of times or there had been some times in your past where hiccups would occur is it is there any point in time you point to or think about in your mind where you're like oh my god nothing was going right that night or something like that and you had to be quick on your feet and get through it Yeah. So my background all began in hosting on the red carpet and doing like movie premieres and different events where I'd interview celebrities um, and the people attending these things. And so you had to be quick on your feet and just, you know, get the interview. There were like 20 other outlets there and you had to like get, push your way through, get get your question in. And so you kind of built a, the hustler mentality of like, you know, getting in and and getting it done. Um, But also the strength and courage to like handle rejection. And then also if you mess up, you just go with the flow. Now you really learn that skill when you're doing live work. So on Monster Jam, it was like, you can't go back. You can't go back five seconds and erase what you just did. Um, you know, and same thing with like pay-per-views and things like that. Cause it's live. Um, so I think honing in on those skills by doing it all the time, and just letting things go or learning how to A, go with the flow and B, make a joke out of your mistakes if it's like that noticeable. Um, because then you just breeze through it and nobody really cares. You know, most of the time, nobody notices. If, if you don't notice, if well, if you don't act like you notice, nobody notices. Right, That's right. really how it works. Um, but I mean, you go through the growing pains. It's good to make mistakes. That's how you learn. And then eventually you learn how to work through the mistakes. So Speaking of anxiety and fear and stuff like that, I think we all get the jitters before we're going to do something or go live and and especially like host a show or speak in front of an audience. But 
at the end of the day, if it's something you love and you're passionate about, once you're doing it, the nerves go away. They're only there leading up to the scenario or event. But once you're in it, you're fine. And then after you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. That was great. I want to do it again. You know? Now, I want to remind everybody, check out her website, GabrielleLoren.com. There is so much stuff on there. Like it, it, it will take you months to go through it. There's there's a ton <laughs> on her website. So check check that out. So uh, our final question tonight here, uh, summer of 2022 and beyond, where where can we expect to to find you? You mean 2023, right? Because I can or, tell you what yes. I did last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, 2023. Yeah, 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 2023. Summer 2023. Well, I'll be here in LA unless something changes between now and then. Um, uh, you guys can keep it locked into my website and see I've created so much content over the years. Um, and and to what um, th Paul was saying actually earlier about my Breaking Bread stuff, that was a podcast YouTube thing I created during the pandemic uh, so that I could keep doing the work I was doing, even if I wasn't like in a studio or hosting a show, um, but make it more like spiritual and and self-development oriented. And so I created about like 33, 34 videos during the pandemic, during that time frame of like a nine month span. Um, so you could definitely check that out on my website. And then on Instagram, I tend to like post when I'm up to, you know, if I wind up hosting another wrestling event or something comes up uh, host wise, like it will go on there right now. I'm sorry, guys, it's going to be mostly boring things and I'm <laughs> focused on my real estate. So I just um, kind of did a little bit of a pivot during the pandemic and started working in real estate. Um, I think one of the other wrestlers we mentioned tonight also had a real estate license. I forget if it was Sherry or somebody. Um but anyway, so I'm really focused on that. So if you need to buy or sell a house, let me know. Even if it's in another state, I could still help you with the transaction and work with another agent on it. Um, so you can always reach out to me for that as well um, and referrals. And yeah, I hope to bring more hosting your way in the coming years. But um, I would like to also pivot my work in real estate and now nonprofit because I'm starting to work with nonprofit and be able to speak in front of large audiences in a different way also. It may not be, always be wrestling all the time or sports related, but I'd like to, you know, um, inspire people and help people with whatever I'm, I've am i learned in business or whatever it may be and, and teach others. So it may change and morph over the years, but um, I love doing it and I just love getting in front of people. So stay tuned. <laughs> awesome stuff. We'll be looking forward to that. I yeah. want to remind everybody, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. And, and thank you, Gabrielle Loren, for coming on and joining us tonight. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, and of course, on my Instagram, in case anybody's wondering, or if you want to link it, it's at Gabby Loren TV. So it's G-A-B-B-Y-L-O-R-E-N-T-V. Awesome. Hit yeah. that like and subscribe. We'll see you all next time. Have a great thank night. Thank you, guys.